This podcast is brought to you by our lovely friends at Channel Factory, who ensure that your advertising appears in the most brand safe and brand suitable environments across all of your YouTube campaigns. Welcome back to another episode of the Blooming North podcast, where each month we delve into topics designed to inspire you, empower you and guide you towards a more fulfilling life, both personally and professionally. So the focus of today's episode is diversity, equity and inclusion, DE&I as it's often referred to. These are three closely linked values held by many organisations that are working to be supportive of different groups of individuals. At Bloom North, we have a DE&I committee who have embarked on a learning journey over the past year and they shared a lot of the learnings around allyship, personal privilege and unconscious bias with a group of us at a recent event in Manchester. But today we wanted to delve further into the subject of DE&I and I'm joined by two wonderful guests who can help me do that. We have Eduardo Diaz-Ward, who's Sales Director from Channel Factory, our sponsors of the podcast, actually, and he flies the flag for DE&I within his organisation. Hi, Ed. Hi, hello. How are you guys? Good, thank you. We've also got Naomi Chapman with us as well, who's client partner at Spotify, and she's part of the Bloom's DE&I committee as well. Hi, Naomi. Hi. It's great to have you both with us. So just to give, firstly, a little bit of background on you both. So, Ed, I know that you've sort of worked in the digital space across the media industry for, for quite a number of years now. Ten years experience, I believe, in the industry. I know. Yeah, it shows, shows my age, I guess. But, but yeah, I've been, I've been around <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And at the moment, you are working at Channel Factory as sales director. You've enabled multi-million pound deals with some of the biggest agencies, such as Essence Mediacom, Mindshares, Axis. So you've you've been in the industry quite some time, but really for your organisation, you are flying the flag for conscious, aren't you? Correct. Yeah. Um, I'm very passionate about the topic. I mean, it's something that's really important. And as you said, it's something we've been spoken more about uh, recently, but um, yeah, it's something that I really, really like. Great. So excited to delve into the topic. And Naomi, I know that you're a born and bred Geordie living in Manchester. Certainly am. You've been here six years? Yeah. So I was working in, in London beforehand um, and then moved up to Manchester six years ago. I've uh, been in media, similar time to Eduardo, about 10 years as well. So, and yeah, and similar, it's, it's a lot of buzzwords that fly around the industry. Um, and it kind of got to a point where I wanted to learn a bit more and see what more I could do around it within my organisation and also in life generally. And you're at Spotify, so obviously yes. podcast is your world. Is this it your certainly first podcast? Is. This is my first podcast to record. I listen to them all day, every day and talk about them all day, every day. So it feels very strange to be recording one. Well, I'm sure you'll do brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> and so on the subject of DE&I then, I'd be really keen just to hear from both of you around your reasons why, um, obviously, Naomi, you just mentioned you were on the committee. Ed, obviously, you do a lot within your own organisation. Um, it'd just be really good to understand sort of the reasons why why this is a passionate subject for you um, and just a bit of background really on that. Sure. Um, so for me, like I said, it feels like there's a lot of buzzwords going around the industry and life in general, and it feels like there's a shift to make this desire for diversity and equity and inclusion to be more at the forefront. But what I was really keen to understand is, is what actions I personally could put into place, like I say, every day and at work. And it felt like a really good opportunity to come together with people working in the same industry as me, doing similar jobs to me and learning from them as well. I think for me, I sort of approached thinking, well, I'm, you know, a super liberal person. I have friends from all different backgrounds. You know, I feel like I can bring quite a lot to this committee. Um, and take obviously a lot from it. And I think what the overall, the biggest takeaway for me was, was, oh my God, I'm actually, there's so much to learn and there's so much more we could be doing. So for me, it just felt like a really good opportunity to challenge myself, challenge my beliefs, challenge my assumptions about myself uh, and work with 
a group of people to do something um, and hopefully make a difference. Tell us about the training. So how many of you were on the committee? What did the training entail? How long was it? That kind of stuff. Yeah, so the training was actually a lot more in-depth, a lot more intense, actually, than I I possibly thought it was going to be. So there's around 10 of us on the committee, like I say, all working in the industry. And we partnered with a company called The Other Box. uh, And it was sort of online training, um, several hours of, of different courses, different subjects, different modules. And what the committee set out to do was take on this learning and what did it look like at the end? Um, and we quickly established in one of the first meetings that we wanted to do an event um, at the end of it to sort of the crux of all of our learnings and put it into practice and really share our new knowledge um, with people within the industry. So it was split into three different modules. There was one focused around allyship in the workplace, um, unconscious bias, as you mentioned, and my favourite was one that was called Diversity Dictionary. So it was really intense and we all found, obviously speaking on behalf of the rest of the committee, we would do this online training and then we'd come together and go, wow. Uh, it made us really question ourselves. It was really quite interesting to open ourselves up vulnerable, to be vulnerable around it and, you know, really look into ourselves and, you know, are we doing enough? Are we actually putting to practice what we believe we are? And ultimately, all of us kind of agreed that, no, we could be doing a lot more. Um, so the point of the event that we we wanted to get um, towards at the end was, you know, bringing people together, sharing our learnings and also putting things into place and giving people actual things they could put into place within their workplace and within their friendship groups. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in every company, as we know, which is great where there's a lot of movement towards this, you know, diverse, equitable, uh, inclusive environment. But until you actually have the toolkit to do it, it kind of doesn't mean anything. Um, so yeah, so the committee just felt like a really good opportunity for me to, to learn a bit more and, and see what I could do differently. And obviously the event itself, um, we spoke a lot about allyship and yeah. actually the last episode, a couple of episodes ago in this podcast, we have a whole episode dedicated to allyship because it's such an important topic. Um, that was really key in all of this was allyship, how you can form allies, how you can be an ally for mm-hmm. a minority group, but also personal privilege and understanding your own personal privilege. 100%. And I think you made us do an exercise at the event to sort of come up with a privilege score, wasn't it? Yeah. And based on sort of lots of different attributes of your life. And it was quite mind blowing to see how privileged a lot of us in the room were and actually hadn't acknowledged it or realised how much that comes into yeah. a lot of our day to day actions. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I I sit here as a white, heteronormative, cisgendered person and that does grab me privilege. And while I was aware of that, I don't think I had challenged myself much before going into the committee and and talking around it. Um, So it was just understanding that privilege and actually how that privilege isn't afforded to everybody and what we can be doing differently and how we can support people from different backgrounds, you know, and make sure equity was at the forefront, not just equality. And it was for me, learning the difference in those two things was the biggest takeaway for me. What is the difference, sorry, on those two things? (laughs) So just for anyone that's not aware. I'm glad you asked. So equality basically affords everybody the same opportunity, whereas equity takes into account people's different needs. And it's almost like a framework that needs to go into place. So for me, another reason why this was a really important committee to join. I have a son who's recently been diagnosed with autism. His needs are going to be vastly different to some of his peers. Yeah. So equality would say, well, let's make sure that he has access to everything the same as all the other kids. Equity would go, well, actually, what does he need as an individual that's different to his peers? And it's ensuring that everybody has access to essentially the same end goal 
but what everyone needs to get there is completely different. Yes. And it's empowering businesses and schools and individuals to understand that and approach people as individuals, not just, well, you know, everyone's got access to this information. So there you go, use it. It's like, well, actually, does that information and the way it's presented work for that person? Is this person somebody who needs visuals rather than a listening format, for example? Equality is giving everyone the same thing. Equity is making sure that everyone has what they need based on their needs. And ultimately, organisations are going to come out better as a result of catering and tailoring the way that they approach individuals to to get the best out of them, ultimately. Absolutely. If you've got a, a room for the people, the best thing you can do is have people who are, you know, from so many different backgrounds, so many different abilities. And if you think of like even just you and your mates and how you all different work differently and, and what makes you tick, giving everyone the same thing is just not going to work. Um, so for me, going into it, I kind of knew what equity meant, but in practice, did I really? Um, and it's the same with at work. You know, I know certain clients that I work with from a really basic level when I send certain types of proposals for example I know they can digest it easier than somebody else so for me it's well how is it going to make your life easier from a purely working perspective yeah um and I think as soon as you start approaching things with equity at the forefront rather than equality you see a massive difference in your approach to everyday things yeah, that's it's super interesting. And, you know, these are, are terms that we throw around, but actually, like you say, don't really fully understand the meaning of. Ed, obviously, you weren't part of the training that Naomi is talking about uh, that we did with the other box. But obviously, you do a lot in this space within your organisation. It'd be really great to hear more from your perspective on what this looks like for you and just a bit of background on you, really. I was really fortunate to like live in different countries in the world. So I've, I've lived in Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, Barcelona, London and Scotland. So obviously moving around and just having like a being a Latin American, just seeing um, the belonging is always like very important to me. And I was always ended up with like minority groups of people and understanding their backgrounds. So I, I realized in a very early stage that there was something that everyone's seeking, just belonging and belonging. And I think as humans, we all need that. And as I joined Channel Factory at the media industry, Channel Factory allowed me the opportunity to find and just have this group of conscious advertising and working in the media industry, just working very closely with the um, media agencies, just helped me better understand how the advertisers have this big power to kind of just make the movement and just try to like make more inclusive um, the media landscape, but also just um, understand those audiences. And it's just really interesting to hear what the agencies and what the clients are um, looking for. So it's always trying to make sure like help them navigate all those different topics. It's one of the things I realized it's really hard to um start those those conversations, have those questions. Everyone wants to get like very right for the very beginning, but it's not gonna that's not the case. We're gonna get it wrong at some point. Because as, as all we know, it's very some some of the topics are very sensitive and sometimes like people are not brave enough to have those conversations and ask those questions. But if you think about it, like everything is just becoming more fluid. For example, there's like a really good report that is called Beyond the Rainbow. And I was reading it the other day, actually. Um, and it, it says that 70% of LGBTQ plus thinks that gender is fluid. And 61% of non-LGBTQ plus also believe that sexuality will be fluid like very, very soon. So if you think about those numbers, and if the brands actually pay attention about those numbers, they can diversify very easily and captivate more audiences. And I think, I guess, that sense of belonging is quite, I think, is really important for every single 
uh, consumer in the world. And you're just having that mindset, I think um, we um, will just be, win, um, be winning. And then also, I think we're stepping in the right direction. But I don't think it's, we're not growing fast enough. Yeah. But um, at, Channel, at Channel Factory, we have like a group of conscious um, advertising, what's it called? It's like, um, yeah, like a group. And we all just like talk to each other every single month and just try to understand like how is it, how is that seen from Italy point of view, from Norway and different countries. Just because also the culture obviously impacts massively how media is perceived and how media is consumed. But it's also really important to understand how all the peers are just working and navigating in this space as well. I think it's really interesting to hear your perspective, Eduardo, because you're coming at it from more of a brand stance and more of an advertiser standpoint. And I know that at Channel Factory, across all your YouTube campaigns, you, you love to show diversity. How are you sort of having those conversations with clients? Do you find there's barriers? Do you find that certain clients are more receptive to this message than others? What does that look like in, in sort of how you take that out to market? No, that's a great question. I think it's um, when it comes to like planning, it's something that we always ask um, our agencies and we always have to encourage them to challenge the advertisers because obviously it should very start the first question is like why, why, why should we start this conversation should we start at the very beginning should we start at the end should we start at the middle and obviously i think it should start from the very top because obviously when you start playing that campaign then you start like thinking about the messaging then you start about like the product what are you gonna who are you gonna be reaching out and sometimes when it comes to the end um it's already all set up so all the intentions are really good, but the messaging is not aligning with the audience. And that's sometimes, that's miscommunication. That's when it's happening. It doesn't seem genuine. And that's why sometimes the advertising doesn't seem to be received as they want it to be received because the whole planning um, in the journey needs to be from the very top. But when we have these conversations with the agencies, it's again, it's just like, let's be honest it's okay to like get it wrong if you are not um, if you don't understand this this space you can always ask you can always ask um find information online there are so many allies in this space these days you can literally rely on them just ask them how can i navigate this sometimes we receive lots of brief from agencies asking about this specific product how can we just engage them or the specific audience how we just find them obviously within the youtube space um one of the good things that we do at channel factory is help them navigate the wild, wild west of YouTube. So also we need to be mindful, avoiding all these biases. We can't classify content creators because of the way they look. So it's just very, it's very difficult sometimes. And I completely understand sometimes why the advertisers are not willing to have this conversation because it can be quite risky and damage the reputation online. But equally, um, if you're not doing anything at all, then you're also part of the problem and not being inclusive. Sorry, I was just going to just gonna add to that point because I think it's a really key one around the fear of getting it wrong. We spoke about this at the event. We spoke about this in the allyship episode of this podcast. I think a lot of people just don't say anything at all or just think it's easier just to sort of sit, sit in the sidelines and, and, not, and not actually contribute to the conversation because of that fear of getting it wrong or saying the wrong thing or offending somebody. And especially from a, an advertiser perspective, you know, there's a lot on the line. If they if they make a mistake in some of their comms or they say something that's going to offend somebody, the backlash can be huge, can't it? So it's a hurdle that we need to overcome. But I completely agree with you that you've, you've got to put yourself out there to be in that position, to make the change. No, 100% agree. And this is why I think that the progress has been quite slow. Um, but I think like a good example is when it when it's Pride Month, obviously all the logos and you see all the flags, they change and just fly flying everywhere where you go, um, see all the rainbow flags. But then after that, just it just ends. And that's why you're just like, what is your message? Are you trying to be genuine? Or are you trying just to tick a box? 
Like it's yeah. not it's not a hashtag. It's just be like um those audiences still consuming your products throughout the whole year. So you shouldn't stop just one month. And again, it's just like trying to understand your audience and like I'm sure they're gonna get it wrong at some point, but it's, if it comes from a genuine place, I think it will not have a massive impact. But I completely understand the power of social media these days. You do something wrong and it can literally haunt you for like the rest of your career. I literally yeah. have, I have so many friends that can ruin my career online. So I'm very close with them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting point that you made there, Eduardo, around Pride Month. So um, obviously Spotify have a number of, of podcasts and, and one of our podcast hosts that we work with a lot is Susie Ruffle, who's um, really big in the LGBTQIA plus community. And she was in the office last week and I was asking her, the, um, our host was asking her about advertisers and working with them and sponsoring her podcast. So she's got like-minded friends, which she does with Tom Allen. And she has one called Out, which is when people send in their stories when they came out to their family and friends. And we were talking around advertising and, and sort of reaching that audience. And she said, my one request is please don't just do it around pride. She was, And she said, you know, it's, it's great that people want to be active around that. And obviously from her point of view, fabulous that brands want to work with her. But she made such a point and it was so interesting. She was like, do it at the opposite time of year to pride. Like yeah. if you really, really want to make a point and reach an audience and, and really sort engage of with that put audience. your pole on the ground, do it outside of pride. And we were all like, yeah. So from my key takeaway there was to challenge my clients and say, well, that's great. You want to do it now. What about in six months time? Yeah, 100%. Because like if it's pride month, the, the, the least minimum you can do is just tailor something to that audience. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean they need to end there. The same with Black History Month. It's just exactly the same. It doesn't have to end there. You can start any time. It's just like the, the way I see it as well, like, for example, when people told me about, oh, I'm going to do like dry January. So like, why does it have to be like dry January? If I, if I can do like dry March, I'll do dry March. It's the same principle. Like you don't have to like, there's just one thing. Messaging is just has to be like genuine from a genuine point of view. If, if, if it's unexpected, it would be better received, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And actually, it stands out more as well. You've got you're in a very cluttered market if you're doing things around these key moments across the year. Eduardo, do you do much as an organisation sort of with your people from a uh, obviously we've spoken a lot about brands and advertisers but in terms of from a diversity and inclusion perspective in terms of the way you recruit or the way you hire or anything in that sort of space no 100% yeah we try to obviously balance and represent like what the UK society is looking at these days so we try to encourage um different backgrounds and obviously everyone has their opinion there was one individual um, at the organization that he's very, his political opinion are very different and completely opposite to mine. But we can sit down at the same table, we can have a discussion. And just because you have a different opinion doesn't mean that he can't be part of the company. No, we, we welcome everyone. Everyone is accepted. As long as you bring something to the company from a business point of view, you're very welcome. We respect all the um, your beliefs your background ethnicity and we actually encourage to have like different diversity not only from ethnicity or background or sexual orientation but also our gender so we, we are quite proud to be seen as a company they have like different and very mixed uh, you both are more than welcome to come anytime to the channel factory you will learn so much about the world I mean, it's great and I think this is the direction that most companies nowadays are moving towards obviously Spotify very much in that space as well aren't they Naomi? Yeah absolutely um, as a brand obviously it celebrates all walks of life and as a company to work for you really feel it when you when you work there it's a massive diverse group of people from all different backgrounds all different genders sexualities religions um, and they really make a point of celebrating it um, 
so it's for me going into the workplace from doing the training, it was how can I sort of influence sort of day to day? Obviously, as a company, they do a lot of work around it already, um, especially when you look at obviously the, there's the music side of it. But when you look at our podcast talent, it's it's diverse and the team are constantly trying to ensure that we have representation across the board. So, yeah, for Spotify, it's kind of in their blood. So the training that you that you did, you talk about these tangible things that you can take into the workplace for our listeners benefit. Can you give us just some some little things that we can each do when we go away after listening to this podcast that we can take into our organisations to try and influence that change. Because I know at the event we spoke a lot about the ripple effect Mm -hmm. and the fact that actually it's just by educating people because a lot of the time people just aren't aware of their actions or how they come across, I guess, sometimes. So I think it's those little things can make such a big difference. It'd be really useful to hear from your perspective what those would be. Yeah, definitely. I think that the biggest thing for me was ask questions. If someone's, you know, from a different background to you or a, a type of person that you haven't come across before, ask questions. Most of the time, people are going to be very open about it. So for me personally, I'm a Jewish woman and obviously there's so much conflict in the world right now. And it's been really refreshing having people say, how do you want to talk about this? How are you feeling? And, you know, and everyone has an opinion and everyone feels, you know, so much complex emotions at the minute around everything that, you know, as a Jew... I want people to ask me about it and I might not be able to answer any of the questions, but, you know, ask questions. If you you're prefer to have somebody, that dialogue. Yeah. yeah, you have to have that dialogue. It has to be open. And one thing that I know that Sam, who was on the committee, took into um, her company, Skyrise, you know, she spoke about the diversity dictionary. It's think about the words you're using and call out if something doesn't sound right. Um, it sounds really simple, but going into a room and saying, hey, guys, that might not make everyone feel that comfortable. And while... You know, she found, and, and it's it's not surprising, people went, oh, like roll their eyes, like, right, okay, we can't say that now. It's like, well, if that's your reaction, why don't you sit on it for a minute? And if it makes someone feel uncomfortable and it's just changing one or two words that you use, is it really that big a deal for you as a person? Um, so I think, yeah, open dialogue, absolutely challenge somebody if they say something that you don't think sounds quite right and ask them to explain it. And I think the more dialogue we have, and it's not about catching people out and going, ha, you said the wrong thing, you know, that's that's what you're supposed to say these days. It's absolutely not about that. It's about being open, being vulnerable. And like I said, from doing this training, I learned my unconscious bias and how my ripple effect wasn't what I thought it was. And I feel a lot more, a, a sort of, I have a, more, a greater ability to challenge people who might say things that are potentially inappropriate or insensitive, but equally you know, it's me asking questions, going, actually, how was that for you? How do you feel about this that's going on in the world? How would you approach this? And, you know, in your community, which is so different to mine, what does it feel like to be you, essentially? And I think, you know, people like talking about it. You know, whether you are white, cisgendered, heteronormative, or you are from a completely different end, like it's just people want to celebrate it, want to talk about it. And I think creating that open dialogue is, is really, really key. Yeah, we're all human beings. Exactly. At the end of the day, we, we should communicate about these things. I think if you things. approach it with a, listen, I, I really want to get a better understanding of what it's like to be you or, you know, am I using the right language? People are generally going to be very receptive to that and go, actually, people actually prefer when you use this word. And you go, okay, great. And it's not, oh, well, you've done that wrong. It's, okay, great. We're all learning all the time. And there are words that society would have used 10 years ago that would never be used today. And I can't remember who said it, but we're talking about sort of you update your iOS all the time and your computer systems. So why don't we update our own? <laughs> yeah, so you true. You know, there's words that are so unacceptable that were so normal 
previously that we're just conditioned yeah. to using. Yeah, and there's words that, you know, your grandparents saying to you, oh, God, you can't say that. And that's probably going to be the case for us <laughs> when our grandkids go, what are you saying that for? Yeah. And it's, you know, that's life. But I think it's a self-awareness thing as well, isn't it? Because people are not saying these things maliciously. It's just been conditioned into their life. And, exactly. And I think it's just breaking down that barrier, isn't it? Of people aren't trying to be offensive. I mm. think sometimes it's just a normal way for them to communicate and it's just calling them up, calling them out in the in the right way. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. We're all we're all learning and updating our systems all the time. As we go. Yeah. Exactly. Well, every day's a school day. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> Eduardo, have you got anything to add to that? Yes, I was going to say, I couldn't agree more. Like, just ask the question, honestly. That's what, it has to start somewhere. Uh, one thing, obviously, you need to, like, find the right audience and the right people. You feel comfortable asking all these questions because, obviously, some people might not take it in a good way. But if you know someone really, really well, 100% ask all those questions. And even if you don't know anything, I think that's where you need to start. I think a part of education, if you don't know anything, um, just ask the question. I completely agree. And it's talking about school, actually. My partner is a teacher. And it's quite funny because really he tells me stories about all the kids. And there's a particular group of kids that are obviously like growing at the moment and trying to find their identity. So every single day, um, they go into the school and the student tell my partner, the pronoun that they're going to be used to be comfortable that day. So one day might be him, one day will be she, one day will be uh, them day. And that's how the kids are just navigating these days. And that, that shows you like the next generation are so aware of like the whole fluid agenda and all this identity. We need to like educate ourselves, ask the questions, make sure that everything's coming from a genuine place. And the only way that we're going to grow up as a society is when we um, come outside of our comfort zone. Otherwise, we're going to be like, Going, going like sheep, just going on each, just doing what we know, and that's it. Well, if, if we really want to grow, we just need to be on that really uncomfortable space where you like to like, oh, sorry, I said something wrong. I was not aware. I didn't know this. Thank you so much for flagging this. Thank you so much for like educating me. Thank you so much for like showing your um experience. Someone um once someone said once, I can forgive anything, but I can never forget how you make me feel, and I think that's really important because. How you make people feel, that's what literally marked them and how you can impact people in a positive or negative way. So I think it's also like really key when you um, find your allies and when you're like navigating in this uh, very um, complex space. Yeah, I, I love that quote as well. It's something along the lines of uh, you forget what someone said or what someone did, but you'll never forget how they made you feel. And I think that's it's so key. And obviously we all want to make each other feel comfortable and we don't want to be in these awkward confrontational situations. So it's just navigating it but learning how to navigate it and we're all on a journey together so I think these conversations and even just the fact we're doing this episode just shows that there's so much more being spoken about in this space and obviously the training that you went on Naomi Mm -hmm. I know you and the team got so much out of that and you were all very passionate I I could really really see the passion shone through and it was it's really infectious and I think that ripple effect is is the only way that we're going to communicate this message further and and get organizations on board with it but i feel like we're moving in the right direction yeah i agree i agree we are but i think we can do it quicker we do it quicker if we are brave i can i think we can do it quicker but we are going in the right direction which is really important how do you think we can accelerate this change i think just like start firstly start at home just making sure that all the parents are just having all this conversation and just explaining the different backgrounds and everything and just 
or DNI approach. Obviously at work as well, which I think is just doing it. But I think advertisers have like the massive, massive task. There was one of the advertisers. They have like a, this like really huge campaign about Ramadan, but like during the day the place were completely empty. And when they the, there was Ramadan at night, when the, the community could eat, the place were like started like filled with food. And that that impact on the society and that group, it was huge. It was huge, huge, huge. And that literally, these advertisers obviously have like a massive, massive impact. And people are remembering this. And then when you ask people, so like, this is the first time I'm seeing such an advertiser. And then literally, I feel that I belong in this country now because that's never seen before. So I think the advertisers have like a huge power, a huge responsibility as well to do it. And I think that's the way to accelerate it. But again, obviously... I'm sure from the advertising side, it's all well and good, and I'm sure they're doing it and they want to do it, but it's just how they can do it in the right way without making a negative impact on the um, community. Yeah, it's being brave enough to take that step, but try and do it in the right way. And and like you say, the rewards can be really significant off the back of it from an advertiser and brand perspective and also as a community as well. We've run out of time, but thank you both so much for your time and your contribution. Um, I think the work that you're both doing in this space is phenomenal. Are there any sort of final points you both want to make in terms of if anyone wants to reach out to you, find out more? We will pop everything you've mentioned in the show notes. Um, Yeah, just a reminder that it was the other box um, was the company that we used. You can find me on LinkedIn. But otherwise, my advice would just be be brave, be vulnerable. No one's perfect. We're always learning. There's no perfect science to it. I love that. Eduardo? Um, yeah, just to echo that, just like ask the questions. Just get uncomfortable with the topic. It's fine. Right, find the right people and the right ally. And if you get it wrong, it's fine. We can always move forward. Love that. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Take care. Thanks very much for joining us for another episode of The Blooming North. We'd love to hear from you. So if you've not already, please go to Bloom North, become a connection. We hope you found this podcast interesting. Please do share it with any of your colleagues and friends. Also, get in touch if you've got any thoughts on topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Until next time, we'll see you soon.